I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. A spiritual home for so many in our nation's capital. The Washington, D.C. Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Join Boyd Matheson as he hosts lawmakers, Washington VIPs, and members of the church. This week, special broadcasts of Inside Sources, live from the open house of the D.C. Temple. We are continuing our live coverage from our nation's capital. And while much is going on here in Washington, D.C., the French election just happened a few days ago, and it's not the end of the story. Of course, you had uh, President Macron uh, having victory and a first in a long time uh, re-election in France. But we wanted to dig a little deeper in terms of what is behind that story. What does it really mean for Europe? Uh, Where is Europe headed politically and philosophically in the coming years? Uh, Joining us uh, now is Henry Olson. Oh, we just lost Henry. All right. We'll let uh, Henry dial back in. Uh, While we're waiting uh, for Henry Olson, of course, he's a columnist with the Washington Post and uh, wrote a great piece uh, about France choosing Emmanuel Macron, but still having these underpinnings of full-fledged populism. And we'll uh, break that down with uh, Henry Olson if we can get him back on the line here. Uh, So it was a very interesting matchup between Emmanuel Macron and, as I mentioned, he... Uh, became the first French president to win re-election, I think since 2003, I think was the last time that that happened. So it's been a a long time. They've had a lot of turnover uh, in the French presidency as they've moved through the last decade and a half. Uh, So it's interesting to see, uh, of course, uh, he was challenged uh, by uh, Le Pen, uh, who was definitely a populist, uh, very much kind of in the manner of President Trump in the previous election. And so many were wondering if this would be the same or if there would be a little uh, tighter race. It proved to be a little bit tighter, but maybe not as tight as uh, some people had had thought. Uh, so all of that, uh, I think, is so interesting in terms of what that's going to mean for Europe moving forward and making sure uh, that uh, things hold together. France really has taken the lead on a, a lot of things when it comes to the economy, when it comes to military, for sure, uh, in terms of leading out in that space. And so uh, those were the really interesting things to me, just looking at that from afar in terms of where does this go next and, and what does Europe look like a year from now or two years from now uh do the things uh, continue to change uh or is this kind of a balancing moment uh, for france uh versus that populist drive uh that was really part of this uh, election in a really uh interesting thing so i think we've got uh looks like we've got henry olson back on the line of course henry olson is a columnist for the washington post uh henry how are you doing i'm doing great how about you 
Doing well, doing well. So help us break this down just a, l- a little bit. Uh, we've we've gone past the uh, President Macron being the first in a long time in France of, of winning re-election, uh, but there's still sort of this populist element in there. Break that down for us. Well, very much so. You've got uh, in the first round, which is really key, what you had was about a quarter of the French who voted for hard left candidates that wanted to overturn Macron's economic policies, and you had about a third of the population that backed Le Pen and other far-right candidates who disagreed with his internationalist and cultural policies. Combine it together. You had almost 60% of French in the first round who preferred a radical option rather than the state-of-course option that Macron represented. Oh, I think that's really fascinating. So so then take us through the, the general election uh, and where that 60% that had uh, voted for a, a more radical option uh, came back around just a little bit. How did, how did that break down? Yeah, what happened was, um, uh, first of all, uh, a lot of the people who didn't vote for the radical option but didn't vote for Macron voted for him in the second round, so that got him up. And now a lot of the people on the left decided that they preferred Macron over Le Pen, even though they would prefer neither. And so what you've got was a lot of people who voted for the far-left Stalinist candidate, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who voted Macron because they found Le Pen's uh, past associations with, uh, with neo-fascism to be more offensive than Macron's clear commitment to international neoliberalism. Yeah, and uh, tell us just a little bit of the conditions in France that make uh, the, the populist candidate, someone like Marine Le Pen uh, on the right or someone on the far left, uh, attractive. It's got a very long economic stagnation in France. That The economy has grown, but the gains have gone largely to educated people in the large metropolitan areas, particularly Paris. So in rural and small-town France, much as in rural and small-town America, people are seeing themselves go backwards. And so you had a massive vote in the rural area for Le Pen in the second round. In the urban areas, declining cities, they find the left wing attractive. So you look into depressed steel towns like Lee or depressed manufacturing areas, the French version of Pittsburgh or Youngstown, and they voted for the hard left and really held their nose to vote for Macron this time. Yeah. And so what does this project in terms of, of Europe uh, in general? France obviously takes the lead on, on many things there as it relates uh, to Europe. Uh, how does this uh, help, hurt, uh, change uh, that dynamic uh, in terms of uh, Europe? And obviously with things going on in Ukraine, uh, Europe staying united in terms of an approach uh, to dealing with Vladimir Putin and Russia. Over the next five years, that aspect isn't going to change very much. Macron is constitutionally in charge of defense and foreign policy, so he's able to continue the course that he's pursued, which is good for Ukraine, good for European unity, and hopefully good for the rearmament of uh, America's NATO allies. But the legislative elections are coming up in June. They don't elect their Congress or their National Assembly at the same time as the president. And there, it's not at all clear that his party will benefit from the sort of uh, second-round hold-your-nose voting that he did, because they may see it better to block his domestic policies by creating a populist majority. We don't know yet. There aren't any good polls, and a lot depends on whether the far left and the far right can say, since we can't control the presidency, let's at least agree we can block Macron. If they do that, they could control the legislature, and that would really hamstring his ability to govern domestically. 
Oh, that's fascinating. And then just real quickly before I let you go, Henry, uh, what are the implications uh, for the United States? Uh, any changes or tweaks there uh, with Macron still at the helm, uh, but that populist underpinnings uh, kind of driving along? Well, part of it is going to depend on how Macron responds. Is that, you know, Macron can see the same thing that I see. And the okay. question is, is he going to try and double down and, try and hope that he can reform enough that in five years there'll be a larger pool of the center? Or is he going to try and become more populist himself domestically in order to cut down the appeal of radicalism? How he decides to do that will determine a lot how strong he is the further he goes along into his term. Yeah, fantastic. Henry Olson, Washington Post columnist. Uh, great insight on what's happening in France. It does have impact for us right here at home as well. Uh, Henry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, as you know, we've been broadcasting all week from the open house at the Washington, D.C. Temple, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But we want to take a look in our next segment of what went into the restoration of this sacred space. We're going to talk to Dan Holt, the project manager for the renovation. You want to hear this coming up next. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.